0: Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And together we are the Anxiety Sisters.
1: Hello, Anxiety Sisters, and welcome to our show. We are here with an old friend today, Dr. Dan Peters, psychologist, author, parenting expert and host of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Exactly Right. Now, our listeners know that we have spoken with a lot of experts in anxiety. I mean, a lot. Like, what would you say, Mags, maybe a hundred? Probably more. Probably. Uh, more. Honestly, probably way more than that. But Dr. Dan stands apart from that group for many reasons. First, he's an anxiety brother himself, so he has walked the walk. Second, He's got a house full of kids, so he is living with the challenges of parenting in this anxious world every single day. And three, he has spent the last 20 plus years working with parents and children every day to help them manage their anxiety and achieve their full potential, which includes living happily and with purpose, which just so happens to be our definition of the anxiously happy life. Dr. Dan has one of the richest bios we've ever seen, so we're just going to cut to the chase. He is known all over for his expertise in the assessment and treatment of children, adolescents, and families with a special emphasis on gifted, talented, and creative individuals and families, as well as anxiety, overcoming fear, learning differences, and neurodiversity. He has created online training programs, hosts an extraordinary podcast, and has written a library of books and articles. He has a new book that just came out a few months ago called Bright Complex Kids, supporting their social and emotional development. And that is all just the tip of the iceberg with this guy. Put it this way, he's who Mags and I would call. Hi, Dr. Dan, welcome to The Spin Cycle.
2: Wow, you guys, I'm flattered. Thank you. So good to see you guys again and um, for your kindness. Can I just say
0: one thing we didn't say in our introduction was that part of the reason we love Dr. Dan so much is that he's very similar to us in certain ways in that it's just, when you, when you're talking to him, it's not this like clinical, very outside reality where he's not thinking like, oh, that you know, you're supposed to be this perfect family and you're supposed to be these perfect parents. He's like very realistic about the struggles that we all have. And I think out of all the experts we've talked to, that's sort of why we relate to him so well in that he's, it's like, oh, yeah, he's real. He's not, you know, he's not coming at us with stuff that just seems- He's seemed, not your
1: typical clinical- Yeah, bad. unobtainable, you right. know. Right. He talks, he talks real world stuff, which, you know, for me and Mags, that's everything is what, yeah. you know, we can have pie in the sky and then we can have what we're probably going to have to work with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dr. Dan knows that as well as anyone. So yes. we have so much to talk about. This podcast is going to fly by. But can we start by asking you about your personal journey? I, I know you're like us, so you, you had anxiety when you were a kid, right?
2: Yes, but didn't really know it. Like I, us. I, right, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, so yeah. So it was just like you guys, of course. Um, yeah, and I would say that looking back, it's um, I have this defi- this this recollection being in middle school and just lying in bed at night and it was dark. And going through my checklist of, okay, do I need to worry about this? No. Do I need to worry about this? No. Do I need to worry about this? No. It's like check, check, check. I got through all the list, which like never happened. And I was like, oh, I'm like all caught up or whatever that meant. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like such this moment of peace. And then I don't know, you guys know this, what, 30, 60 seconds later, it's like, no, but wait, now you need to think about this. So I didn't even realize that was a thing. And then, um, really with in graduate school towards the end things really culminating with what I would say is perfectionism which I didn't even know that was a thing and mm-hmm. uh so yeah and then of course you have kids and lo and behold they tend to take on some of those attributes
1: yes you start to recognize a lot of your own struggles mm-hmm. in stuff that your kids are dealing with and, and- I like
0: yeah, I like that because you and Abby are the type that go- went through lists as a kid, and we're like, okay, did I do that? Did I do that? Did I do that? Both of you have that in common, and I was the type of kid that my anxiety meant like I couldn't remember my list. I didn't mm. even have a list. That was too <laughs> overwhelming for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those two types of people.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. But yes, we definitely definitely see ourselves and our kids very like. Yes. So how did all this lead to your passion? Like, how did you decide to become a psychologist and sort of focus on families and kids and all of this?
2: I was I was always drawn to people and fascinated with people. And, um, you know, you only know what you know. So I, I just assumed, I just un- seemed like I understood dynamics, uh, social dynamics. And I ended up being the person that people would, friend that people would come to. And then... I was the person that really was invested and really cared and was problem solving. I remember just being in rooms and being like, Oh, this is a train. Oh gosh, this is not going to go well. This is a train wreck. coming." <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking around and I'm like, no one is seeing like, why doesn't anyone see this? And it just was, It you know, it was a, it was a skill that I had and have that without knowing that was a thing. And then I, I played a lot of tennis growing up. That was my, Sport and my outlet, and I was very passionate about it, and that led to teaching tennis to kids and teaching at sleepaway summer camps, and I just loved working with kids and I loved mentoring kids. And then I this the quick funny story about psychology. So my parents uh, took me to a college counselor that my older cousins had gone to. And I took all these tests and they, you know, the guy said, okay, you're going to be a business major, a Spanish minor. You're going to go away your, you know, third year in college and become um, bilingual and Spanish. And then you're going to go to law school and be a bilingual attorney. I remember walking out of this place going, huh, okay. Like zero of that resonated with me. And, but I guess that's what men do. That's the business people who are lawyers, right? Like this is, you know, like the late eighties, like, yeah, that's what men do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then I go back a year later after college. The, the 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 package was the visit at the end. And um he said, So, you know, how was your year? I said it was a really good year. He's like, Which classes did you like the most? I'm like, psychology. It's like, which classes did you do the best in? I'm like, oh, my only A's, I think, were in psychology. And he said, have you ever become thought about becoming a psychologist? I'm like, no, never even crossed my mind. He said, Okay, what I want you to do, I'm like, here it comes again. It's like you're going to go back. You're going to change your major from – I ended up with communications. You're going to change from communications to psychology. You're going to sign up to work in a research lab, and then you are going to work in a group home for kids with uh, who are needy, uh, social and emotional needs. I'm like, check, check, check. And that little advice, which probably cost way too much money, was actually – so it just all evolved. Like I, It just sort of kept going, and then I um, – That I just knew that was what I needed to be doing.
1: I have a question about tennis because I used to play tennis too. And since you and I are fellow perfectionists, I want to ask you: Yes. Did you find that practice always went better than the games for you?
2: Oh, this is so interesting, Abby. So, yes. So, the short answer is yes. And it was in hindsight, my perfectionism is what kept me from meeting the potential that all my coaches had expected for me.
1: Exactly the same for me. I was so obsessed with if I was winning or not. Yeah. Like all I worried about was, am I going to win the match? And I really, you know, you not losing, right? Not losing. And you can't get, you can't get your rhythm together with that. Like, you know, like anything else, you have to sort of breathe into it. And I couldn't, I was holding my breath all the time.
2: Right. So when I do get to mentor and work with athletes and such, um, or any type of performer, like this is the conversation because if someone I have these very, really great, some great coaches, I remember one writing me a long letter before an important tournament and just talking to me, like he was saying it without saying it. I remember him saying, you need to remember you are a talented and great person, regardless what happens. Like he was doing the, so I think he kind of had a sense, but he didn't know what to call it. He gave me sports psychology books when that was, you know, just starting And um, if that would have been also so pivotal, if someone would have said, Hey, you're a perfectionist, this is what it means. And we we need to work on this, not hit more serves, not hit more volleys, right? Like, that's not the issue.
1: I know. I mean, the messages I was getting uh, when I was that age and working on my tennis skills was if you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. Mm, Well, that's and that and that and I really I mean, and that was really hard for me. If somebody had sat with me and said, hey, it's not good to be a perfectionist. You don't want to strive for that. That's going to take away your joy. That's going to keep you from really, you know, experiencing the best parts of life because you will be too focused on outcome all the time. No one told me that. (laughs) So you open up our favorite book of yours, which I'm holding up in case we do a, ever do a YouTube thing. This book is a great book, and everyone should have it. It's called Make Your Warrior a Warrior, and you wrote this in 2013, right? Yes. Okay, so here's how you open your book with the following statistic. You said 8% of youth ages 13 to 18 have been given an anxiety diagnosis with symptoms typically beginning at age 6. Okay, so I'm sure you've read that recent meta-analysis in the JAMA pediatrics. Yeah, that, that's a, it's way worse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so they came up with, a, I think that their meta-analysis was over 81,000 people worldwide, and what the kids, and what they came up with, okay, I'm going to say it, and we're all going to feel very shocked. The global prevalence of clinically elevated child and adolescent anxiety symptoms in the last 18 months is around 20.5% and symptoms are seen as early as age three Mm -hmm. that's eight years ago versus now yeah have you been seeing this in your work oh
2: yeah i mean this it's we can't keep up um Mm -hmm. when i say we not only our center but all of my colleagues everywhere there and i know you guys experienced this too with your village and your work there is no, unfortunately, there's no such thing as quote meeting the need anymore. There's just so much need um, and so much shrapnel and trauma and um, over the past. I mean, and and here's the thing before the pandemic, that number that I quoted in 2000, which I would have written the book in 2012, it came out in 2013, that number was much higher before we even hit the pandemic. And now people, we think it's doubled.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're scary. Yeah. I mean, even if we go with that number 20%, one in five, right? right. One in five right. of our kids is experiencing real anxiety symptoms. Mm-hmm. And you said you are seeing that in your work. Yes. What, else, what else are you seeing? What are some of the big issues right now you're seeing? So we, I mean, there's, so there is a lot of fear,
2: and the fear can take, I mean, there's a lot of fear around being in school, still fear Mm -hmm. for some about not being in school, a lot of social angst and worry because of people who lost their friend groups or people who already were a little shy or socially anxious. Now they have been out of practice and now they're, you know, back back in it. There's still the people who are uh, clearly afraid of COVID and the new, our newest variant. And then the other is a lot of depression. Um, a -hmm. lot of isolation and disconnection. I mean, if that's really what I was, disconnection. And um, you guys know one of the main theories these days about depression, again, before the pandemic even, was disconnection, disconnection to self, disconnection to your future, disconnection to others. And that disconnection was happening with our our media age, our virtual age. Um, Now our virtual age has actually also kept us together in, uh, in many ways, through the pandemic, but so many people are disconnected, and as a result, are depressed.
1: I'm curious: when you counsel kids, do you talk a lot about social media, and you know what what the impact of that can be on their connectability? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, we t- well, we t- it depends on the person, and it depends on the situation. So um, there are there are actually surprisingly there are kids that manage it quite well. And for them, it's just reminding them of it, it, actually learning what they're, you know, kind of, what are you seeing? What's the impact it has on you? And then there's many who, which the um, FOMO, you know, the fear of fear of missing out. And then there's the difference between the lurking and the participating. And we know that from people of all ages, if you're just, if, well, lurking is one word. If you're a passive engager, there's often higher incidence of mental health issues than if you're actually using it to engage um the, the 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 notion of, hey, that's not real friendship or hey, be with people. That's a trickier one because, again, that wasn't possible for so many during the pandemic, and that became the way of connecting. And as we know from our virtual clinical work, the research does show like there are meaningful connections through virtual connections. See, kids are always saying like, okay, I, I talked to them yesterday, or, I talked to him, I talked to her. You, then you have to go deeper, like what is talking for, so, cause it's used talk, but often it's texting yes. uh, or DMing mm-hmm. or FaceTiming, which is talking or it's Snapchatting or, so it's, it's really trying to understand the nuances, but to really like you're saying, Abby, like to help them know that a lot of social media use is correlated with depression and anxiety. Yeah.
0: Yeah people, you know, our age who didn't grow up with it will often say to kids, well, that's not that it's sort of like this attitude. That's not real. You know, that kind of relationship's not real. And to them, it's very real. You know what I mean? We have to be
2: very careful and it's evolved, right? Because when we started, when we, the collective we parents started saying that it was before social media for kids has really taken form and also before the different platforms of, um, like Reddit and Discord and all of these yes. other places where teenagers actually I have so many clients where these people in other parts of the country and in some places in other countries yes. are have sustained them and are true friendships. And many that they end up planning a trip for all of them to get together. So it has changed and we have to be careful not to discredit those really real relationships.
1: And for me and Mags, I mean, we have 217,000 Anxiety Sisters and Brothers connected through a virtual community and I would fight anybody who tells me that those connections aren't real because, you know, they are. They are real and they're really powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, so obviously this last,
0: this COVID has been un. An unbelievable change for all of us. And so, you know, we're all trying to figure out how to address some of the social deficits and needs while keeping our kids safe, right? Well, and our family safe and the grandparents safe and this and that. And you know, what, what do we do as parents to help our kids cope? I think that's the million dollar question. You know, how do, how do people, what do you suggest to parents? I want Dr. Dan to solve the question everyone is asking.
1: That is a
2: big question. I was
0: talking to my son's guidance counselor, for example, and she said, you know, she notices sort of the social deficits or the, as we were talking about some of the independence deficits, like Mm, that have really happened she thinks as a result of COVID because, you know, those kids, these kids have lost two years.
2: For sure. Okay. So a few things. Okay. In no particular order here. So big picture, we parents need to do our best to manage our own fear and worry about what is going on in the world. And that is everything from, um, climate change (laughs) to politics, to COVID to, foreign affairs to our economy like it's not going to end people right hang like, on
1: I have to get it I have to get a Xanax hold on okay go ahead <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was quick you're good um, <laughs> it's we okay so this big part is it's not going to end for our kids for our grandchildren like this world is continuing to evolve it's continuing to move there's a lot of uncertainty and it's not going to get certain And I know this is a whole conversation in and of itself, but it's just we as parents have to really reconcile how are we feeling and how are we acting and how much of our actions are based on fear, Mm -hmm. which relates to this next part, which is how do we get our kids practice so they're behind? So a lot of kids are behind. We have to look at the long haul. We don't yes. like the, the the blessing and silver lining in all of this is these rigid timelines for when you grow up and be on your own. I mean, they've gotten less rigid over the last decade. They're even now more less rigid. Right. Okay, that, that's a double <laughs> negative. Okay. No, they're no, more flexible. There's, they're more flexible because you have a couple of years to catch up. Not, you're not going to miss anything. There, No one cares what age you accomplished each milestone. No one does. No one actually cares for kids who do go to college. Hate to break it to your parents. No one actually really cares where you go to school, how quickly you get there, how quickly you finish. It largely doesn't matter. What matters is that you are a healthy person that is at a place where you are not overly taxed and overly stressed, where you're given some incremental challenge to grow. Period.
0: That's fantastic. So so Can you just like walk around with me? (laughs) i'm like i'm I'm just gonna like yeah we're gonna
1: have to share custody of dr dan
2: (laughs) you know what i i mean to be fair i need to walk around with me a little more too like it's like you know
1: (laughs) right i know
0: i get it i get it
2: it, as we were talking about like it's so easy it's easier in our role and doing what we do and it's harder and every parent should know this um that us anxiety sisters and brothers here it is hard for us to do this with our own kids It really is. There, still, though, these are the guiding principles. We got to help our kids practice. And so this is where I'm like interspersing it with our anxiety. So I've been working with um, some of my clients and parents, so especially some of the parents who for, for anxious reasons are really afraid of COVID, for um, real, um, um, you know, compromise reasons, you know, are concerned about COVID. It's like, okay, what do we let our teenagers do?
1: Mm.
2: Particularly the ones that can't drive how do we help them step into the world and have these opportunities and with safety. So what I've got, like what I've gone back to, and still go to through the whole pandemic and trying to guide these really tough questions is what can we control and what can we not control? Well, right now we know mass situations still tend to be pretty safe, right? And we know outdoor situations tend to be pretty safe. So it's, it's trying to set up opportunities for your child, your teenager to get practice because it's going to take them a little some of them more than others, to catch up, especially with our neurodiverse um, mm-hmm. kids. It's going to take longer because a lot of them, um, depending on where they are, potentially on the spectrum, potentially ADHD with some social impulsivity, like. and I'm not being ex- in, totally inclusive of all profiles here, is... It takes longer, anyways, often to get these skills. So let's give it time, but we need to give them as much touch points as we can.
1: Yeah. So important. So important. Oh, my God. Great, great advice. A lot of schools,
0: even before this whole pandemic, I think there was this thing for some teenagers where there was just so much homework and so much pressure academically. And, you know, I know parents will say, like it's, it's not like you can tell the kid, okay, do half your homework, right? You know, they suffer repercussions from that and all this stuff. And so, and then with the pandemic, some schools are, you know, trying to catch up and do this and that, like, how do you advise parents like this whole thing of adolescence, like that, those hours of schoolwork or kind of, how do they balance that for like a healthy kid?
2: Well, sometimes this is actually the conversation because sometimes or these days oftentimes there is no way to balance the situation because of of the and it's and I've had so many kids clients and my own kids say like when you were in school did you go for you know seven and a half hours okay yeah did you then have to come home and do three hours of homework? And it's like, how come like I'm working as much as you adults
0: are? A lot of them are doing like five, six, seven hours of homework. Yeah, I wasn't even
2: counting the AP honors yeah. people and um, and then all of the extracurriculars, some doing by for joy, but many doing for college applications. Right. It's like you you can't balance it. And we know how sleep is so important. And if you're backing out sleep, it's, I mean, there's many of these teams that they can only get five or six hours if they're going to do everything and do everything well. So first of all, we have to really look at, is it even possible? Mm. And it's hard to say when oftentimes, particularly in the really driven affluent areas is that, okay, well, no, it's not possible or healthy, but if we change it, my child will then not have the same opportunity to get into these places as everyone else who's still doing it. And you know what, that might be true. We have to be courageous and make some tough choices. I mean, I know so many stressed out kids that go to Ivy League or Ivy League equivalents. Mm -hmm. So they're stressed, they're perfectionistic. And you know what, guess what happens when they get there? They're stressed and they're perfectionistic. It's not like, oh yeah, (laughs) we made it. All right, now we can just chill. So we do really need to look at the long haul and know like, what are the effects that this is having on your child? And do you want this life for them? Now, for many of you, you have kids that you now they're like, they are who they are. They're like, get out of my way. And also help me with my panic attacks and my meltdowns, yes, Yes. my deadlines. But I, but this is the, this is the way it is. We just have to really look at that. And I'm getting tight in my chest, just even saying this
1: right now. Right? Like, and these are the same kids that are then going to, when they graduate from college, aren't going to be able to say, oh, I got there. Then they're going to be driving themselves to either get a top job or to go to graduate. In other words, the driving of oneself never ends from that culture. It
2: does, it does not. We know this. Personally, we know we this.
1: We know this. Yes. I was an Ivy yes. League kid. I get it. Yes. It took a long time for me to realize that I could not keep living like that.
2: hmm hmm
1: You know, so that's, yeah, that's a challenge to be able to help our kids see it earlier than we did and and see it and then help with
2: trying to help with life balance see that's the thing is like can we help with life balance can we give them permission to drop one of their activities can we help our perfectionists get their first b early so it's like that ding on a new car everyone stresses that if you're lucky enough to get a new car you're stressing about it forever and then you get one it's like oh I've had so many adult clients who say like, "Oh my gosh, what I with their child sitting there. I got my first B in college or graduate school and all I can tell you is I wish I would have gotten it and it's like the world keeps ticking. I was so afraid of it and I wish I had those years back. So like we're we're like with the perfectionists and the high achievers, you actually need to do the opposite you would think of yeah. from parenting these life skills and discipline and like no, it's more like you need to know you can survive half-assing this and you can survive a C, it like, it's going to be okay. And with some of our neurodiverse kids who either don't have the skill or don't think they have the skill and doubt their skill and their anxiety, we're actually trying to gently nudge them towards the fire. Yes. <laughs> Meaning like, yeah. okay, it, it's that stove is hot. It's going to be warm, but if you touch it and get burned, it's not going to be that bad. Right. It's sort of like, yeah, so we, but, and again, it's, so what you're like, what you're, we're really talking about here is know thy child separate your child from yourself and your own needs and your own worries to the best that you can. So you look at what does this child need from me in terms of guidance, the way to build resilience is repeated, fairly consistent and fairly planned small exposures to difficult situations that people have an opportunity to persevere in mm. and work through and i think that's what we have to do with so many of our kids
0: that makes total sense <laughs> yeah
1: and i think also i mean something my that my son taught me is that a superpower parents have that they often don't think about is their ability to listen to what their child is saying my son taught me how to listen, because I'm a big talker, as we all know. <laughs> and he, thank goodness, was able to say to me, "Yeah, just hear me, mom, Yeah. because I'm not you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that was really powerful. Yeah. And as soon as I was able to hear those words from him, that helped me separate my own anxiety from his. Mm-hmm. And I that's think that that's really a important. real lesson for parents mm-hmm. is that, you know, take a breath, just Force yourself to sit there and not say anything. Just hear
2: it. Yes, and this is this is so important and relevant because it does, we have to manage our own anxiety. I mean, I literally was just in a session before this with uh, parents and a t- older teen and they're having a lot of conflict. And he basically said, he didn't say a lot, but he what he did say is, because you don't listen. Mm -hmm. And when we deconstructed the conflicts, it was based on him saying something and a parent continuing to talk and talk and talk because the parent wants to resolve their anxiety about the unresolved and worry about the situation. So the talking and talking and talking is based on their own anxiety. And he's saying, please just listen and stop talking and know that when you say something once, I got it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: it's saying this is a, and it's, this is a really common dynamic. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I see that all the time. It's it's a trick to, to, to be a parent. It really is. I think oh, is the hardest thing is. ever. Okay. So last question <laughs> for Dr. Dan, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about the mission of your podcast? We, we were, we've been on, I can't even tell you how many podcasts we've been on promoting our book in the last three months but yours really stood out for us as extraordinary because we learned so much from being guests on your podcast and we listen, we then go through and listen to a lot of your other episodes and learned even so much more so would, would you talk about the mission of your podcast and how parent footprint brings your sort of your life work together
2: yes and we and and we for anyone who did not listen to uh that podcast we had a awesome conversation
1: mm-hmm.
2: we had an awesome conversation anyways I just want to before I answer that I just want to say like you're as I told you guys on the podcast like the your book it's it so resonated with me as it, it, and this is where we're so aligned it's so well comprehensive and user-friendly mm-hmm. and real and non-judgmental and just like it's you know sitting down with two friends who happen to be anxiety experts who have experienced anxiety saying like come on this journey with us we'll you know we'll tell you about ours and we don't want you to suffer needlessly and here's some ideas so anyways i just can't say enough about the conversation. Thank you that. Yeah. that was so sweet um so the podcast i so i've been in a room working with people a, a lot i also do for the pandemic a lot of talks and trainings and i've always wanted to have A sort of larger platform to share information and knowledge. And what really came to me, so the podcast is a little over five years old. It really, uh, we kicked up a notch earlier this year when we joined Exactly Right Media. So a much bigger platform and a lot of amazing people um, collaborating. And the excitement is to share more of this information. So when I I get my thoughts in two places. One is on my jogs. That's one of my meditative places, my runs. And the other one is when I do meditate and um, what came to me over and over was this idea and particularly loud during the pandemic was the need to bring hope, the need to bring connection, Mm -hmm. the need to bring awareness, which is a basis of the podcast and the need to bring wisdom. Mm. So the parent footprint podcast, it's just, everything comes together for me in a way that it is a larger and um, free platform to share this information, talk with amazing people. And the guiding, the guiding principle is the way to raise healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives While we strive to be the best versions of ourselves and like the best thing that we can do for our kids anxious not anxious neurodiverse neurotypical is be healthy people who are growing and modeling how to live life how to handle adversity how to be resilient how to manage our own anxiety to our kids along with our tagline is um making the world a more loving and compassionate place one parent one child and one person at a time and so everything just kind of for me comes together in conversations like this, where um, we can connect, right? We, told, we we're talking about before the show disconnection and how people are so disconnected, especially with COVID and, and bringing information and in like your community, the Anxiety Sisters together, it brings people all of those things that, um, that the, our, our show is also about.
0: I love that. You know, I hear what you're saying and it just, it just tipped off something in me too. Like, I think a lot of times we're afraid to show our children that we're struggling and growing. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think one of our, our superpowers as a parent, another superpower is times where we say, yeah, I know, I know what that feels like. I know what that struggle feels like this. I'm, I'm working on that struggle or I worked on that struggle or. So that they see that even as adults, we are still, there's not like a stop point. We're still no. struggling and we're still
1: growing. For and sure. that there's a lot of meaning that comes from that struggle. You know, I mean, it doesn't all have to be a misery. I mean, it certainly no. str- struggle can cause misery and, and it does. <laughs> but yeah. that it also can bring a lot of meaning into your life. Yeah, for sure. Well, every parent should be listening to Parent Footprint. It is a really really life-changing podcast. I mean, not just for parents, kids too, but if you're and grandparents. And grandparents. our caretakers. Whoever is caretakers, aunts, um, uncles, teachers, whoever yeah. whoever has children in their life and wants to, you know, make it better, make the life of make their child's life better, make their own life better. We really can't think of a better podcast. It's it's absolutely our favorite. We love Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're super, super busy between the podcast and you're still practicing. And then, you know, you're writing books all the time. I don't know how you ever get a chance to go home and parent. All perceptions. (laughs) All perception. We feel really fortunate to know you. You're one of those folks that makes the world a better place. Definitely. And definitely a better place for anxiety sufferers and their loved ones. So we're grateful for that. Once again, you've been listening to Dr. Dan Peters. Author, psychologist, speaker, podcast, host, friend, and dad. You can find him on his excellent podcast, The Parent Footprint, and on his website at drdanpeters.com. We will post links to everything of his, including his podcast, in the show notes, even a cute picture of him so you can see how sweet (laughs) he is and get to know his work. We'll put his books up for you, especially what Make Your warrior a Warrior. A Guide to Conquering Your Child's fears is a really, really wonderful book, and we highly recommend it to everybody. So thank you again, Dr. Dan. Oh, thank you, guys. I was looking forward to
2: this and hope to do it again.
0: Oh, yeah, this was great. It was great. So,
1: we have some announcements. Don't yawn. We're not done yet. Okay,
0: okay. No, we have very
1: exciting announcements, too, right? So why don't you start us off on our most exciting announcement? Our most exciting announcement
0: is that we are starting the Coping Crew. What's that? What's that? Well, it's going to be, you know, a lot of people have asked us for a couple of different things. One is more, it is a very private space and also sort of more specific individual coaching,
1: right? A lot of people have asked us if we can make our Facebook page private, but we really can't. No, we can't. I mean, it's first of all, there's, you know... a a lot of followers, a couple hundred thousand followers. Number two, it's really such a great page that's open to so many and helps so many people. We really don't want to shut that down or take away access. So, but people have been asking for something private where their friends and family couldn't see what they post. And we, we totally get that.
0: They've been asking for privacy and they've been asking, you know, people really want to do some concentrated work on their anxiety. Personalized, no. personalized. So the coping crew is basically going to be a six week program where each week we will meet for about 90 minutes or so on Zoom, on Zoom. so we'll not on right Facebook, um, with a small group and really sort of be there to support each
1: person as whatever, with whatever they need. It's going to start Sunday, January the 9th, and it's going to meet Sunday evenings, Eastern time. It'll be 7 to 8.30 Eastern time, which would be 4 to 5.30 Pacific. And in between our Sunday sessions, we're going to have a private, unsearchable, closed, secret Facebook group open only to the people in the Coping Crew so that they can post anything they want to and no one will ever know they're even in that room and this way mags and i can check in every day and you know we can it's really a very comprehensive program if you think about it because you can really be working on it every single day we're limiting it to 20 people because we really uh want to make sure everyone gets a chance to participate if he or she wants uh, so we've already got a really nice group of women signed up so if you are interested just shoot us an email say i want to know about the coping crew and we will tell you how it works it's uh, if you are a member of the Anxiety Sisterhood, it's $99 for the six weeks, which includes all the sessions on Zoom, as well as every day on the um, secret Facebook group. Yep. Did I miss anything, Max? I don't think you
0: missed anything.
1: Yeah, we're very excited. And Mags and I are going to be running it every Sunday. So you'll get to hang out with us, which is fun. Just ask Dr. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find us?
0: So you, of course, can find us on Facebook at Anxiety Sisters. There we are on Instagram. What are we on Instagram? The Anxiety, anxiety. Sisters. The Anxiety Sisters. We are on Twitter.
1: We're marginally on Twitter. Yeah, we're marginally. I mean, what, like if there was a ledge on Twitter, we would be sort of checking
0: <laughs> yeah. from that ledge. But if you need to get in touch with us that way, we do
1: check it. Yes,
0: we so check awesome. it. But also email us at abs yes. and mags at anxietysisters.com. Yes. On our website, www.anxietysisters.com. And who says uh, you can't
1: teach an old dog new tricks?
0: Exactly. And then last lastly, we wanna we wanna remind you that we have a Tuesday night book group for the Anxiety Sister Survival Guide. So grab
1: your book. And come along. It's on Facebook Live. Totally free on Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. We do a whole presentation, song and dance. It's really fun. If you have any feedback for us, especially compliments, questions, an idea for a podcast, please email us. And if you like these podcasts, and we so hope you do, could you leave us uh, a review on either Audible or Spotify or... SoundCloud, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon, anywhere, anywhere that you're willing to, to click on that five stars, that would be really great. Uh, and if you have our book and you're enjoying that, could you also leave us a review on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you bought the book, because that helps more people find us and helps us find more people. End of announcements. Okay. Thank you so much for joining Happy us. Happy New Year, everyone.
0: And remember... anxiety
1: Anxiety.
0: sisters don't go it alone we don't go it
1: alone (laughs) no but we did we did that one okay we did okay i mean not perfect but it's like 2021 it was okay not perfect
0: (laughs) i hope it was better than 2021
1: (laughs) (laughs) you've been listening to the spin cycle an anxiety sisters production Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.